The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Joyce, I'm your host uh, for the Life Matters show that we'll be dealing with today. We'll be discussing the upcoming Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood, which will be taking place in Boston on Saturday, November 4th. And I have three live guests with me today uh, who uh, will explain uh, aspects of that march. And I have uh, John Souza uh, and his son, Michael Souza. Uh, John and Michael are from Canton, uh, where they've been very active in uh, pro-life matters in their parish. And I have Sheila Flanagan, who is from uh, Needham. And Sheila uh, has been a longtime pro-life advocate. We've been involved in many efforts together, haven't we? That's huh? right, over yeah. the years. So, um, John and Michael, would you tell our, our audience a little bit about the march, like when it's going to take place, uh, what's involved in the march and the rally, please? Sure. So this year, it's uh, November 4th. Um, it's a Saturday, and we're going to start the, the march in front of the uh, Planned Parenthood site um, in Alston. And uh, there'll be a couple of speakers there. Um, and uh, after a short while, we'll uh, gather together and then march down Com Ave. Um, and, and the rally point will be uh, at the bandstand. And uh, this will consist of um, men uh, predominantly doing the march and then meeting up with our families um, at the bandstand. Beautiful. And Michael, uh, you and your dad have both participated in past marches. I know you marched in Boston uh, last year, and I think you went up to Albany, New York earlier this year. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience in those marches? Sure. So. Starting with the Boston March, um, I've always been familiar with the um, Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth Ave, having been there um, to pray the rosary with my family in the past. Um, but going there to meet with a group of men and be in solidarity to um, you know, abolish abortion was re-energizing and um, gave me a lot of hope. The Boston March, we had about 500 guys there. Uh, it was a great showing. Everybody came very peaceful and prayerful, um, ready to do the will of God. And um, the Albany March, we had a little bit smaller of a group, but our presence was definitely made known. And um, so we had amazing speakers at each uh, march. And you know, you always leave more inspired to um, want to help to end abortion. Nice. And John, I think you mentioned that there was something unique about the Albany March that you attended and that that's carrying forward to the Boston March that's coming up. So the Albany March uh, we, we did earlier this spring uh, was, um, we stopped first at the uh, 
uh, the Shrine of the American Martyrs. And um, uh, we had a uh, holy hour there. Uh, we had confession. We had mass. Uh, and then um, uh, we had a few speakers uh, prior to mass. And um, it was a great way to get things started. It felt more like a pilgrimage. Uh, we'll be doing the same uh, similar thing uh, this year uh, at St. Mary's uh, of the Assumption in, in Dedham, where we'll have a holy hour and uh, a prayer service um, with the men prior to the march. Um, and I think it's good. It just gets us in a, the right spiritual attitude, so to speak. Beautiful. Very nice. Now, Sheila, you've been involved in pro-life activities for a long time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that involvement? Well, I guess I was involved in, we made us, Bob and I met, we put together an abortion debate about 25 years ago before Alice was born. And um, we had, it was a thoughtful presentation of opposing views. So back then, you could actually get people to talk about these things. It was well attended. And a lot of people, a lot of people discussed things and it was, it went very well. And then I took, I was working for Your Options Medical back then and I would take my kids. I was actually a, a, a volunteer pregnancy counselor and I'd take my kids with me. And then we, they got to the age where it was no longer, we could no longer bring them with us. And I was, I, when they were teenagers, I brought them into 40 Days for Life and to the sidewalk. And um, now that the youngest is in college, I'm, a, I'm back being a, a pregnancy counselor at Your Options Medical in, in Revere. So you actually have dealt and do deal with women who are actively carrying children. Yes, yes, we do. Well, Marva Gooding is the head counselor there. I'm no longer qualified to be the head counselor, but we, what I do is I, I put together welcome baby baskets for all these women, and when I, I present them together with, with Marva to the women. So I do, I do what she can't do. She, they're kind of shorthanded over there, so I fill in where I can. Now, Michael and John, what, what, why are you marching this year? Why, why are you participating in the march and in the rally on Boston Common? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question, Bob. Um, I think it's a duty of all men, especially within our Catholic faith, to um, stand up for life, to stand up for the innocent. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not seeing a lot of that. Obviously, in society today, uh, men are being oppressed, and they're not given the opportunity to have their voice heard on this issue. Um, and you know, with the marches, we're given the space to really step into our masculine role to um, stand up to end abortion, uh, to stand up for these women, and um, be, on, like, you know, ultimately be uh, that voice that um, you know society is really trying to to hold back. So, um, I think you know, um, this is a great opportunity for men to really step up um, into their role and um, make a difference. And um, that pretty that says it all, Michael. John, I don't think you've got anything you can add to else. that. Um, but could you could you comment, John, on on why you think other men should join you in this march, and that maybe uh, people who are believers, that is, religious believers, or even non-believers. Well, I think it's important for all of us to be involved. Um, uh, you know, it's important to give. Um, witness to, to, to life in the public square. Um, I think when you see uh, men gather together in that capacity, uh, it makes a statement. I mean, this is a prayerful march. Um, we are actually literally praying as we're marching. 
So it's important that we um, do that in, in, in that kind of uh, realm. And um, I, I think it's empowering other men uh, to do the same. I mean, this is, you know, there's a man behind every abortion. Um, men need to be the spiritual leaders of their families. Uh, they need to be stepping out and um, helping women who have been involved uh, with this for quite some time. So I think it's time for us to, uh, to be more active in this capacity. Nice. Um, and I, I found it to be uh, an amazing experience when we first did it uh, last year. Uh, there were 500 of us, as Michael said. And um, it's, I mean, obviously you uh, do meet with some opposition as you're marching. Um, but it's, it's important to, uh, to get outside your comfort zone and, and do something about this. Now, Michael, uh, before the show, uh, we were talking about uh, some of the specific reasons why religious men want to get involved. And we referred to the Our Father, the language in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's up to us to do, mm -hmm. you know, to create an Eden here on earth. And we also, you also mentioned some uh, civic reasons, the Pledge of Allegiance, how we dedicate ourselves to uh, uh, liberty and justice for all. Mm -hmm. And Sheila made a good point when we were talking about that. Why don't you make that point, Sheila? It was, Sheila said, well, and it's interesting, you said that it doesn't say liberty and justice, justice for all. Justice for all except the unborn. Yeah, it doesn't say <laughs> that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we talked about the preamble to the Constitution in which we are to secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. Mm -hmm. And how unborn are included, and what does posterity what mean? What does posterity mean? We don't talk about that these days, do we? Yeah, so what, what does it mean? I think it means your children. Yeah, it, it, actually. It, it, future it, generations. It's, yeah, defined as uh, future generations and descendants of people. And the unborn are certainly, you know. That's what they are. Posterity. So, right, right. So. I think it, it, it's important for men and women and everybody to know that there's certainly a deep religious reason to get involved in the march, but there's also a patriotic civic reason. You know, if we're good citizens, we're going to fulfill our responsibilities and our pledges and the our duties under the Constitution. Um, Sheila, why do you think uh, women might want men to be involved in this march? It's amazing that all these years, we are, I've been part of cleaning up the mess, and it's all women cleaning up the mess. You don't see men in the pregnancy help centers. You do see them on the sidewalks. Those guys are like really amazing, those guys who are out there. But in the pregnancy help centers, which are everywhere, it's, prime, it's all women mm. who are there. And, only, and women have come to terms with, yes, there's, there's post-abortion trauma, and there's a lot of women who are... There's a lot of post-abortive people out there walking on the streets, and now and women are actually realize that of course we we need to give them welcome baby baskets when they have their babies, and these incredible women are are having babies on their own if the father's anywhere in sight. And there's all these women who have who acknowledge that yes, I'm having trouble with this past abortion that I've had. And there's actually counseling pregnancy resource centers out there who address that issue, and they're just starting to get men involved with men recognizing that, yes, you killed your child and you have post-abortion trauma and this is how you have to get on with your life. So it's, it's been only till very recently 
that you see men do anything. And um, women would like to see men get involved in, in a very practical way at the pregnancy help centers. Mm -hmm. Men are needed to help take care of the pregnancy right. help yeah, centers. That ties in with what John said about that there's a man behind every, behind every abortion, sure. behind yeah. every conception, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think that's very, very important about, uh, you know, I heard you mention one time, Sheila, during one of our discussions, uh, where you said that there are, there are two things that most women want, and, and that is to love and to be loved. And like, um, it's, uh, that's where men can come in and show women who are in a, a period of distress or what they consider to be a, an unplanned pregnancy, that's a time for men to step in sure. with love and support. Sure. Right. And uh, now, uh, John or Michael, what are some of the reasons that you think some men might be inclined not to march or not to come to the rally? Sure, yeah, I think... Um there's a level of fear that comes with stepping out into the public space um, and, and doing a march on such a sensitive topic. I think a lot of men feel as though um, this is a woman's issue, where clearly it's not, and um, they're afraid to be ridiculed and judged. Um, so they may not want to march just due to, I think it, it comes down to pride, really. And we had to humble ourselves to want to um, step up, do the will of God, and that will may, may mean doing something that's uncomfortable that um, kind of, you know, puts us on the road to Calvary a little bit and experience some of that torment and, and uh, criticism that Jesus felt. But we have to um, ultimately, like, tie our cross to his, and uh, we can't be afraid. You know, it's said in the Bible so many times, do not be afraid, and um, we have to um, stand true by, by the Word of God. I heard one time when I was a young man about your age, uh, a quotation that struck me and it said, man is not made for safe havens. So sometimes <laughs> you've got to step up and get in the battle, get yeah, off yeah. the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And don't, don't be afraid to show love and support even in difficult situations. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes um, I think that uh, men feel, and I think rightly so, uh, a loyalty uh, to their wives, to women, yeah. and a desire not to make them uncomfortable. And the, the abortion issue is a very delicate issue for many people. Yeah. And uh, do you think that some men are hesitant to even discuss the matter because of that, because they, they're afraid or they don't want to make someone uncomfortable? Well, I think that um, society has uh, created that situation where men feel as, as if it's you know, just a, a woman's issue, and uh, they don't really have a voice in this. And so, um, yeah, they may feel uncomfortable uh, stepping forward and, and uh, uh, defending life in the womb. They really should be active in this whole process. We all, it's a human issue. You know, there's, uh, science backs up the fact that there is uh, life in the womb, and, and um, so we all have a say in this, and we, it's time for us to step forward and, and um, uh, you know, be a part of this process. Some people, uh, Sheila, have expressed some concern about whether or not it's safe to march. And, uh, and uh, of course, we have, this, is, this will be the eighth march nationwide. Mm -hmm. There have been seven before this. There have been two in, since uh, 2021. Mm -hmm. And they've been in two in Washington, D.C., and two in Baltimore, mm -hmm. and one in Tallahassee, Florida. 
and uh, one in Boston and one in Albany, and now this one coming up in Boston. And we have video footage of the march, which shows that it has been peaceful and safe. So, uh, and uh, there's, there's been quite effective coordination with city officials last year, wasn't there? Absolutely. I thought there was mm -hmm. a, a strong police presence. Yeah, we had, right from the beginning, meeting on um, Commonwealth Ave, we did have a, a police escort. Um, you know, there were police officers on, on motorcycles and in police cars blocking up intersections and allowing us to have um, the street at full capacity to, to march on. Um, they create, you know, created an environment where we felt safe and there was a safe distance from the, um, the resistance we met with some of the other protesters there. Um, and then towards the end of the march at the rally point that we were met with an abundance of police officers on bicycles who escorted us out and they made sure that um, we got back to our vehicles safely. So there was, oh, nice. yeah, there was definitely a lot of, uh, of um, a strong wow. presence there. Yeah. Now, uh, there's, also, uh, there's also an area uh, where protesters uh, can assemble, but it's going to be uh, distant from the speakers. I, I, think, I believe this year it's going to be, the rally is going to be, I think it's going to begin at 1030 on the Boston Common at the Parkman Bandstand. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a broad perimeter there so that the speakers can be heard and there, of course there'd be room for protesters on the other side, but at a safe enough distance so the speakers won't, won't, won't be drowned out, won't be drowned out. So. Well, that's, yeah, that's the idea. Last year, of course, uh, there wasn't enough buffer between us and um, uh, those in opposition, uh, so the speakers did get drowned out. And this year, uh, uh, because of that location in the bandstand area, we do have a larger buffer zone so that we can actually hear the speakers, hopefully. That's the idea anyways. And the Boston Police Department and the city of Boston officials have been very cooperative in planning last year and this year as well. So that, that's a big plus. And anyone who's fearful of coming out for the march because of safety concerns can really be assured that it's going to be a peaceful event. And they can even see the videos on the website, which will be shown on the screen later on if they have any questions. Um, the 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 whole idea that you mentioned earlier about that debate that you were involved in 25 or so years ago, mm -hmm. and the subtitle uh, of the of the debate that you mentioned was a thoughtful presentation of, of opposing, opposing views. views. Can you imagine? And uh, <laughs> too often in, in the debates these days, it devolves into uh, sound bites and 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 that kind of thing, but. To have thoughtful discussion is very important, especially in light of the many misconceptions that are out there mm -hmm. about things like the origin of the scientific origin of life. And many people uh, think, well, the only reason that a person would be pro-life would be, would be because of religious uh, convictions or religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. But we know that there's strong science behind that. Would anyone like to talk about that, the, the science of the origin of life? Well, we all know that at the moment of conception, a human being is, has gained their own DNA to be, be, become the one and only person that will ever exist with that combination of DNA. And that's what, so we are distinctly killing a human being that's very, that's indi an individual that could contribute to society. Who knows what if they're allowed to live? And um, I feel bad for your generation because so many of you are gone. And it's going to be harder for years to come because 
three quarters of your yeah. generation is not here. Yeah. So it's, it, it, we're really like selling ourselves short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned from the moment of conception. I, I remember reading one book where a phrase really jumped out at me. I'm not um, a skilled computer person. I'm, a, I'm an older guy <laughs> who wasn't trained in that. But uh, this particular author uh, explained that from a scientific perspective, at the time of conception, mm -hmm. there is a new human being which is fully programmed. In other words, there's no need for any more tweaking. It's, 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 it's the complete package there. Right. And all it needs is shelter and food and warmth, just like we all do when we were, just like we all did when we were born, and just like we do now, too. You know? Absolutely. So that's yeah. from a scientific perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes if we, if in our dialogue that you mentioned and the discussions that we have, if, mm -hmm. we, if we stress not only the religious uh, belief, a reason for a pro-life philosophy, but also the scientific um, basis of it, I think we got a good chance of winning more uh, people to our side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember my father used to say to me, he said, uh, don't ever try to conquer anybody, rather try to convince them. Because if you conquer any, anybody, that's just for the time being and they, until they come back and try to conquer you again. But if you convince them, then you've got them on your side. And that's really what we're all trying to do. That's absolutely to right. To convince them about the power of love mm -hmm. and the power of forgiveness and, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there, there's, a, there's a comment that uh, you uh, referred to in our preparation, Sheila, which was the common uh, phrase that we hear. Uh, about my body, my choice. Yes. Could you comment on that a little bit? Well, yeah, I guess it is. That's, that's been drummed into our heads for 60, 70 years now. This is my body and my choice, and maybe you want me to get into talking about Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And well, not just yet, but um, you, you, you mentioned to me, I remember when we were talking, is you said that uh, with all the women that you've met in your life, uh, you have not met one yet who has two brains and two hearts and four arms and four legs. That's right. And yet That's every right. woman who's with child has, has another has body inside of her. Yeah. That are, this little guy's got a heart and two, two feet and two legs that are not hers. So there is a separate body and, and science has shown us that. And, um, that comes with our That brings in something else. The, uh, part of the men's, the objective of the men's march is to uh, stress what they call the four R's, which are reality, responsibility, mm -hmm. repentance, and, re and, and resoluteness. And what we're encouraged to do is to face reality and to take responsibility and, and, to, uh, re and, 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 and to repent for what we've done or what we haven't done and to resolve to do better. And there's no better role model for us than Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Could you tell us a little bit about him? Well, he's the guy who got abortion legalized in the first place in New York State because he said, hey, we can make some money on this. And he, mm. he convinced his cohorts to do the same thing. And they got, eventually got it legalized in all the different states. And I don't know all the legalese behind it, but now that they eventually got it to the Supreme Court where we had Roe versus Wade thrust upon us and men lost all the rights to their, to yeah. being in charge of their children. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided 
that in, when the, they said, well, we have no excuse. But back then, he couldn't see his patient that he was aborting. He said he could have been aborting a bunch of cells for all he knew. But when he saw his first ultrasound back in the 70s of a baby, he was like, wow, that is my baby. That, or that is a baby. This is, I'm really killing a human being. And he had founded the National Abortion Rights Action League. And he resigned from all the boards that they had him on. They were using his his academic and his credentials as a, as a physician to push this abortion thing on the country. And he decided that, hey, I, I'm not with this anymore. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. And that's a human life that I'm, I'm destroying. And that you all are destroying, just regardless that he had already killed 75,000 babies himself. And mm -hmm. he had taught other doctors to be abortionists. But he stepped back from that. And he eventually he came, came to realize he that came to what was in the woman's womb was a real person, a child. And you brought something with you. Could you show that to us? Yeah, and this is, um, I guess, kind of what Terry Beatley of the Jose Initiative has taken on from Dr. Nathanson. She spoke to him on his deathbed. And he, this is, he is all about, he wants to turn the culture around. He wants to establish a culture of life in this world. And he wants, one small little piece of it is, here in Massachusetts, we've gotten into selling these t-shirts where we want to bring a little bit of dignity back to motherhood and parenthood and fatherhood and the family. And um, this shows that we have, she, a woman is not pregnant. This, that came out with abortion, the word abortion. She is, before that, she was with child. And everyone, the entire culture, took care of that woman who was And what's with on the child. back of that t-shirt? And on the back of the t-shirt, back to our science, it talks about two hearts beating in one sacred space. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the science of the whole thing. Yeah, there's a mom in there, and there's, there's a mom and a child inside of her, and this is what parenthood is all about. And we, so we don't want to disconnect that yeah. anymore. That Dr. Nathanson is a, a, a wonderful role model for men. Uh, who might have made a mistake uh, either actively or inactively by not doing enough uh, and follow his journey from mis serious mistake to discovery mm -hmm. to repentance. He went through despair and then redemption and uh, his wonderful journey that I think many men and many women have to make and that Men's March helps us to do that. Um, well, um, I want to say this, that, um, that uh, I heard a person say one time uh, years ago that we, we are all called to this issue and to this struggle. We are all called to defend life. And that we should never underestimate the significance of anything we do, because even though it might seem small, it can be significant. And the third thing that he said was, if you don't do it, it won't get done. So we're, we're encouraging all of you out there to join us for the Men's March and the rally. And uh, you'll, you'll see there, there, there's probably going to be a website uh, on the screen there. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining us in this Life, Life Matters today and the audience for joining us. And I want to remind you that the mission of Life Matters uh, is to be unique, informative, content-rich, uh, truthful, and thought-provoking, and we hope you found this uh, show to meet all of those objectives, and we hope you'll join Life Matters for future broadcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.